Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This podcast is sponsored by... Terraform Development is a rising engineering design and project management company located in Flagstaff, Arizona. Co-owners Eddie Kalnemtua and Stanford Lake started the company to bring economic-related projects to rural communities like the villages of the Hopi tribe. Some of the important work done by Terraform with the Hopi tribe are Tawa Ovi Master Plan, KUII Radio Station Site Plan, Hopi Tribal Housing Authority Residential Homes, and numerous other nonprofit types projects on the Hopi tribe. Terraform can be reached at 928 928- or visit their website at www.terra4orm.com. That's T-E-R-R-A, the number 4, O-R-M.com. Also sponsored by 4X Studio is a Phoenix-based design and print communications company that specializes in brand messaging, marketing communications, and creative services for small businesses, Nonprofits, tribal gaming, American Indian, and corporate clients nationwide. Their professional services include integrated brand systems, strategic design, identity illustration, print, ad campaign, assist management, packaging, and event design. Forex Studio is an American Indian owned and operated by Sean Kwani. For more information, visit forexstudio.com. That's the number four, X Studio. You are now listening to the Carl and J-Man Save the World podcast. I'm your host, the five-star, five-diamond chef, J-Man. And with me is Randolph, the red-nosed cowboy, Carl. Good morning and happy Wednesday, everybody. Happy Wednesday. We're coming off of the Christmas break, the holiday break. Well, I, I guess, you know, honestly, I, I really don't know when Kwanzaa and um, Hanukkah occur. So uh, off to Christmas break. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So how was your Christmas? It was it was really good, actually. It was pretty awesome. You know, I unfortunately, I did see some people talking on social media saying that it didn't really feel like Christmas to them, I think, because of the pandemic and all the restrictions for traveling for a lot of people. But for me, you know, we still met with my siblings and their kids, their grandkids, opened up presents, and um, we were all masked up, which I, I think was, you know, kind of the big difference. Yeah. Being at Soul's yeah. house all masked up. And then after that, we went home and then kind of just relaxed and chilled, uh, which is actually... I, I, a, a big welcoming for us because normally on Christmas Day we're rushing off trying to get to other people's homes and yeah, you know only yeah. going off of two or three hours of sleep from the night previous trying to wrap last minute gifts and you know trying to wait for Santa to come and making sure all of the making sure that him and his reindeer are taken care of. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you know my my uh, Christmas was pretty good. You know, um, So and Qua got there 
got their gifts and everything. And we, uh, you know, we decorated the tree. Um, we decorated a tree about, a, about two weeks ago. And remember I told you that we had a real tree. Yeah. We bought a real tree. Mm-hmm. I didn't know you had to water it <laughs> almost every other day. So, so we had, so like the little needles started falling off and I was like wondering why is this needles falling off? And so like by the end of, uh, you know, by the end of uh, last week before Christmas, you know, I had like a bald spot on my tree and, and uh, I just kept on turning it, turning the, you know, so it won't see the bald spot, you know, and I think I turned it, um, you know, I think I turned it too much and, you know, some of the needles started falling off and luckily I had my green uh, Sharpie with me and started just coloring the, the branches so you're like, call, you're trying to figure out why is my tree broken? <laughs> the needles are falling out. My needles started. My needles started falling off, and I didn't know you had to water these things. So, <laughs> it's, I told you it's been a while since I bought a real tree before. Well, I can imagine what kind of farmer you are during the summertime, Carl. So <laughs> I rely on the clouds. That's what I rely on. That, that, that's another reason why your sisters are probably pissed off at you all the time that you're always cracking <laughs> jokes on them on the podcast. And now you don't provide any uh, nut money for them during the summertime. I do. I, got, I don't water it, but I just rely on the... <laughs> I don't water it. You're not supposed to water yeah. it. So Well... <laughs> so today we got a, a special episode. We got a special guest in today. Yeah, uh, yeah, we do have a special guest. And we're going to be talking about something that's, uh, I guess, a, a fairly controversial topic. I think that, you know, we kind of got some really good momentum from the previous episodes. And, you know, I think that right now we got our most listeners uh, for on a weekly basis for season three. Yeah. And so, you know, we're hoping that, you know, this topic is going to be something that's going to be really intriguing and engaging for a lot of folks out there. And I really think that that's going to be the case because today we're going to be talking about, uh, I guess, quote unquote, mix breeds mixed breeds mixed breeds and so you know that's kind of a terminology that you hear that's probably not so contemporary anymore i believe probably that the pc term is uh, multicultural and yeah so, you know, a lot of our our native uh folks especially a lot of our relatives do come from multicultural homes um and then we've kind of i i feel like that we've done a good job and sowing the seeds for this topic through a lot of our previous episodes where we've covered the, um, we're mostly discussing this idea of the factory settings. Yeah. And, uh, if you're out here on Hopi, you know, they're basically called mutts. So (laughs) Carl, as, as usual, Carl's uh, opinions are not shared by all members of the Carl and J man save the world podcast. (laughs) But, you know, I I think that this is fairly, you know, a a topic that doesn't necessarily get talked about a whole lot, especially because when you think about the larger scope of like American Indians, Native Americans, you know, if you uh, press play on your um, on some of the Native podcasts that are out there, you know, talking about this topic of identity, talking about this topic of blood quantum, I think for the most part, you know, for for the rest of Native America, that if you're um, a part of several tribes uh, that, you know, that's kind of a good thing. Yeah, that, that, that's a yeah. good thing. But I think out here on Hopi um, that we're kind of behind the times and in, in, in things like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're like one. If you're not Hopi, then you're not Hopi at all. 
exactly. And so we've talked about that to quite an extent in a lot of the other episodes with this idea of what the factory settings are. Basically, that we are a matrilineal society and that a lot of our people out here on the reservation still believe that, that if your mother isn't Hopi, then technically you're also really not Hopi either. Yeah, even if your father is Hopi and if you come from, if you do a lot of things with your father in the Hopi sense, you're still not considered Hopi. And so I think that that idea kind of creates, you know, difficulties for folks that do come from um, that type of background that might have uh, be Hopi on the father's side, but not necessarily having a Hopi mother. Because I think that, you know, for one of the things is that when you are, I guess, Hopi, whether that's through your mother or father, the fact that we do still practice a lot of our culture, that we still do practice a lot of our religion and that, you know, that a lot of those practices happen yearly, that more than likely that you have tasted some of those cultural practices at some point, whether you're full-blooded Hopi or not. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it's it's still in this day, the 21st century we still have that mindset of if you're, if you, you know, if you're a child and, and you're, you want to be doing Hopi things, you have to have a Hopi mother to do these certain things like that. And if you're not, I mean, you're just going to get made, you're just going to get ridiculed in that, that sense that you're, you're not Hopi, even though your father's Hopi. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that really is that perspective of folks that do have that factory setting. And, you know, and, and I'll admit to you that, you know, that is the way that we were raised myself and my sisters to have that perspective. And so, you know, but, you know, I do have relatives that have gone off and married non-Hopis. And so I do have, you know, nieces and nephews that do belong to several different cultures. And, you know, sometimes some of them are for uh, mothers that aren't necessarily Hopi. Yeah. And so I think that when that dynamic comes into your home, then it kind of really, I, I guess, t tests your, your perspective or it really tests how true, how much you truly believe in that factory setting. Because then, you know, when you think about it, I guess from a, a parental perspective, right? Like I'm a parent, you know, I'm a father and I have children. And so when you have children or even if you're not a parent and you think about, you know, younger children that you truly care for, that you truly love for, whether you're that that being from an uncle perspective or an auntie perspective, thinking about your nephews and nieces, that when you think about your children, that you want them to go through life to have the best life that they could possibly have. Yeah. That you don't want anybody to hurt your children, that you don't want anybody to bring any type of negativity to your children. And sometimes, unfortunately, you know, as a result of those factory settings, that factory perspective that a lot of us do still carry, that, that does bring some negativity to those children. That does bring some sort of, um, I, I guess, uh, chastising. And um, I guess the Hopi word, you know, is uh, we're always it is to make fun of. Yeah. To, or to hurt, basically. or to hurt, yeah. yeah, yeah, and it is true. It is true that what J Man is saying is that yes, we want our children to to grow up knowing that to marry a Hopi because if you want to be Hopi, you marry a Hopi, and that's that's the whole idea of how Hopis think, and it's we still think like that uh, nowadays, and it's it's not. I don't know if it's it's a bad thing to do that, or you know, it, it's something that. But, you know, it's, it's just we, we grown up with it. You know, So and Kwa has, has always taught 
all of us that, you know, if you want to continue with your your Hopi traditions, you marry a Hopi, you have Hopi children, and that furthers on the tradition. That, that's that's a really good point because then you know for for people like you and I I guess just 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 speaking from our positions and and how we've been raised is that you hear it a lot from the elders growing up as a kid that you know especially as men especially as men being told that you know if you want Hopi children you have to find yourself a Hopi wife and you know back to our res relationship episode that really really was the message from a lot of the elders when uh, conversing with. Young Carl and young J-Man is that, you know, one day, you know, you're going to find a woman and the implications is that it's going to be a Hopi woman. Yeah. And then, you know, you're going to have a Hopi wedding and then you're going to have Hopi babies. And then, you know, your babies are going to go through the process that all of us go through as Hopi people to earn their stripes, to, to be that, to live this Hopi life. And that's, you know, being uh, to have uh, asna by your uh by your geas yeah. as a baby and then going through the ceremonial societies that are still left to be wimka into those societies to fulfill your role as a, a Hopi person. Yeah. And so, you know, that's kind of, you know, the upbringing that we're taught growing up as children. And so that's something that I, I guess in a way is tattooed into your, or at least uh, I, I branded into your brain to, to think. And I think that's really kind of how some of those factory settings, those perspectives really are, are strong within a lot of us. And then, you know, you get to older ages and then sometimes, you know, you do end up being with somebody other than a Hopi. Yeah, it never works out like that, especially in the 21st century. And especially now that we have technology, we have social media, we have everything. We have Tinder. Yeah. <laughs> Swipe right. We, we have everything at our fingertips. Farmersonly.com. I tried that once. And you were kicked off of it. I was kicked it. off of it. But we do have a lot of that. We do have a lot of that, uh, you know, outside world technology which gives us the opportunity to go out and to meet new people and to to uh to make sure that we you know we uh, we we have a we have a cultural understanding of other people so mm-hmm. and then i think also too what kind of makes things difficult is that you know because of a lot of different things that we've talked about in i think some of the past episodes some of the issues that we have out here with alcoholism and domestic abuse that a lot of our people um do unfortunately experience a lot of these um uh Community community negatives, I guess, in a way that it leaves our people broken. And so when you're out there trying to pursue and find a, a suitable mate that sometimes, you know, like like you said, that, you know, the only girls that want are that that want Hopi men are the ones that'll smoke and drink with them. Yeah. And so if that's somebody that you don't want to be with, then, you know, then you do find yourself looking elsewhere yeah. for, for a mate. And then so, you know, for for us guys, for us men Hopi men that do end up finding women that aren't Hopi, then it's our children that experiences a lot of, you know, what it is that we're talking about today. Because then, you know, like I, we've mentioned this before, is that for whatever reason, you know, as Hopis, we really do like to um, make fun of each other. Oh, yeah. We really like to yeah. push, each, uh, push each other's buttons for whatever reason. And, you know, I recall being a young kid, Going to the day school, and I'm pretty sure that, you know, this is the case that's pretty consistent with a lot of uh, younger children's upbringing is that, you know, we would have classmates yeah. that were part 
Navajo. That, yeah. that always seems to be the case, you know, that they were part Navajo. And so even if it was their fathers that were Navajo, but they had Hopi mothers, they would still feel a brunt of, you know, a lot of the, the um, I guess, is what we would do as kids, you know, making fun of them, calling them Navajos. And then, you know, kind of all of that derogatory, uh, stereotypical perspectives that we had of them that we mentioned in our uh, Navajo and Hopi relations episode is that, you know, that that's a lot of the um, names that we would, would call them. Yeah. Or a lot of the negative um the negative uh, criticisms that we would point directly towards them. But then, you know, you kind of think about that, you know, that's kind of so fucked up because then, you know, like your children, right? Your children and you don't really choose that, you know, that you don't choose the life that you're given. No, but yet, no. But yet we're there, you know, kind of poking fun at them. And, you know, I, I like to think that, you know, I didn't participate in that type of uh, practice to ridicule my, my peers for, for their for their backgrounds or for their cultural backgrounds. But I did witness a lot of my own uh, classmates doing that type of thing. Oh, yeah. I was probably one that was doing that, making fun of the half-breeders. <laughs> yeah, you seem like a guy that's like that. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it, it, is, it is the brunt of the force that children um, try to make up for their parents' mistake. I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it a mistake, but, it, but I guess you would say a mistake in the Hopi tradition because it's not, you're not married to a Hopi or you're not with a Hopi woman or man. So it, it, it is kind of like that quote unquote mistake of, of their parents. Yeah, you seem like a guy that has a lot of insecurities. And, you oh, yeah. Know, I, I, I think that that's where a lot of those social issues come from, from our people, of why we <laughs> like to make fun of each other. Exactly. And I'm probably one, uh, like, the poster child of, like, making fun of everybody, so. <laughs> and, you know, it, it's, it's I, I guess, I, I didn't really realize of how much of that went on. Like, because, you know, when I moved out to the city, living out in the city, I yeah. knew that we were like that towards each other. I knew that, you know, we, we made fun of each other a lot but i didn't realize it to the extent until i moved home yeah and it's like really any any little reason to to talk crap to each other we do it yep exactly before we bring on our guest let's go ahead and um let's go ahead and break for our for our sponsor Strong Ones is dedicated to exposing cultural traditions of running that exist within many cultures and tribes worldwide through running apparel. Strong Ones is an individually owned business supporting cultural running traditions and supporting local organizations within the Hopi Reservation. They can be found at strongones.myshopify.com. Again, that's strongones.myshopify.com. They are also on Facebook at Strong Ones 15. And we're back. And so, you know, I, I think that that's kind of, um, and I'm not too sure why we're like that. You know, I really don't know why we're like that, why we tend to um, point out what's different and make that the, the brunt of jokes that we make towards each other. Yeah. Carl, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Carl, you wear glasses. You're a nerd. <laughs> Oh, yeah? Carl, cut your hair. It's too long. Why don't you grow your hair? <laughs> like a real Hopi. <laughs> okay. okay, so I think that now is a good time to bring on our special guest. Yeah, let's go ahead and bring on our special guest here. Danielle? Yes. 
Danielle, welcome to the podcast. And so, you know, you can give your introduction however you would like to do that. But, you know, as we uh, the conversation that we had with you before uh, we started the podcast is that, you know, sometimes we say some things on here that aren't necessarily favorable for everybody. So uh, basically, you know, however you want to give your introduction. Uh, yeah. Uh, so my name is Danielle Albert. I am half Hopi and half Navajo. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and introduce myself both ways um, so the listeners can understand where I come from on both ends. Um, sure. So, so that's my Hopi side. Um, I think it's very important to know both of them. So, uh, Danielle Awesome. Um, so yeah, so just a quick introduction of who I am. Uh, my name is Danielle Albert. Like I said, I'm both Hopi and Navajo, uh, born and raised in Flagstaff, Arizona. So my whole life, I've been divided between these two cultures of Hopi and Navajo. And a lot of things that you said in the introduction was making me laugh because everything you said was so true of deciding who you are and what's your identity because for me you know when you go to events or when you go to you know school they always ask who's hoping who, who's Navajo or what's your tribe where you belong to basically and they don't have one that's like you know who's who's mixed or who's half this and who's half that you kind of have to decide which team you're on, basically. <laughs> Carl's mixed. He, he's Hopi on his Hotvela side, but on his Sumopavi side, he's uh, something else. <laughs> well, I think we're all something else out here, so. <laughs> and so thank yeah, you. Thank uh, you. Oh, go ahead, Danielle. Go ahead. I like to thank CNN for something else because now it's just easier to say that these days. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, you know, thank you for, for introduction, introducing yourself in the way that you did. I don't think Carl or I have even done that to this point. Yeah, we're, that, we're season, uh, we're episode or we're season three deep into the podcast. That, that's right. We never introduced ourselves in Hopi. No, because we wanted to keep our, um, our identity secret. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think that Danielle, that that's probably the, 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 probably the most proper Navajo words that have been spoken on this podcast, aside from the chots and the, you know, all of the, the issues that we've been mentioning before. The only words that the, they taught us when we um, reached the Navajo schools. Yeah. I, I, I only know Che. That's pretty much it. So, <laughs> and then I just make fun of them for saying that anyway. <laughs> and so Danielle. Well, I heard they have. Oh, go ahead, Danielle. I heard they have Rosetta Stone nowadays. So you guys could probably start that. Rosetta Stone? Yeah, you know, the, the, um, it's like an internet way to learn how to speak a language. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I was taking that um, Spanish. I was trying to uh, impress a girl. 
uh, when I was working in Hastings. <laughs> so I, I, I tried the Rosetta stone, but it only gave you a 14 day trial and it only taught you the basic words like, like cat and, uh, pantalones. <laughs> 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 I got to my cato and the pantalones. <laughs> So, so Danielle, you kind of started to talk about it a little bit, but um, I think that can you, I guess from from your uh, specific experiences, if you would like to share maybe some of, um, I, I guess, some of the difficulties that it's been growing up to be both uh, Hopi and Navajo. Yeah, so I think a lot of us mixed breeds out there have a hard time, like I said, choosing which side you want to be on. Um, but luckily for me, my mom is actually Hopi, so you're kind of default in the way of you're Hopi, and this is the way you have to live. Um, and my dad is very respectful about that. He was like, listen, I understand that it's matrilineal, your mom's Hopi, you're going to learn the Hopi ways, and I'm going to respect it. So I had a really respectable father in that way, but at the same time, I was like, you know, I'm half Navajo too, and I want to respect your culture and your heritage. Um, so the difficulties of that is balancing the two while also being very hopey at the same time. You don't want to lose that side of you. Um, and those out there saying, you know, you're, you're not hopey, you know, your mom's hopey, but you're not full hopey. You don't count as a hopey. And that hurts a lot because I am healthy. I'm just, mm -hmm. I'm not a full breed as everyone else. But I, I know as much as you, I do the same things as you. So that's mostly the difficult about that. So when you were growing up, um, were you made fun of a lot for, for having two sides of your Navajo and Hopi from other children? Yeah, it becomes difficult. I mean, my own family does it too sometimes, just to tease me. When I go out home for dances, you know, I walk into the house and they're all, yes, and yes, and I'm like, ew, don't say that. Like, I'm healthy too. Like, <laughs> I'm here for a reason. Don't say that. Um, but they, they called you Nijuni uh, a lot, huh? Sometimes I don't let it happen. I kind of just kill it right then and there. Like, I'm here for a reason. I'm hoping, you know, uh, I'm going to go get my Piccadilly. Like, I'll prove it to you. Just kidding. <laughs> J-Man and I were hoping um, on the weekend, so. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Danielle, um, I guess um, from, from your upbringing, on, on the Hopi side, how much experience did you have learning, like, our tradition? the traditional cultural practices of what young women are, are taught to learn, such as um, cooking the traditional foods. And did you have that same experience on the Navajo side? Yes. Um, so obviously I grew up Hopi. Um, I, I like to explain to people when I meet them, you know, I'm Hopi and Navajo, I'm Hopi and Navajo, but I'm raised as a Hopi. And you know, they sometimes question me, but I'm always like, but you know, I know how to, you know, cook Navajo food. I, I butchered before and it gets kind of difficult trying to explain myself to people because I like to say I'm full Hopi and I'm full Navajo because on the Hopi side, 
I did everything that I needed to do, you know. I got initiated. You know, I was given away to, um, you know, my godmom. And then from there, I grinded corn. So I'm a full woman on the Hopi side. And then on the Navajo side, you know, I did my kinata, I butchered, I grinded corn too. I did the Navajo cake. So I'm a full Navajo woman on that side. But I'm just happened to be half Hopi, half Navajo so, in my quote-unquote blood quantum. So you're so you're two hundred percent. Yes, exactly. That's <laughs> that, what I need to say. That, that's awesome, Danielle. <laughs> so I I don't think that I'll probably a whole lot of people who are Hopi and Navajo on both sides really do get to experience what you've experienced on the cultural side of doing all of those oblig- obligations and duties on the Hopi side and then doing it the same on the Navajo side. And so I guess, you know, this is a good transitioning segue into like the next question is, you know, what are some of the positives of being a part of both cultures? And, you know, so I guess, you know, when it goes from making pick I mean, to making Navajo cake, you're making the same thing. All you do is you add raisins to the Navajo cake. <laughs> and sell it at the flea market. <laughs> I think that's the, I think that's a transition to going there. <laughs> I I personally like to be mixed because I say I can always flip the switch. You know, I can be healthy and then I can be Navajo when I want to be, or I can be both. I think it's a very good positive. I think it's almost like a superpower to have because I know the similarities between the two cultures and I know the differences. So when I talk to, you know, when I go out to students or I have my sisters with me or when I'm with my two parents, we talk about these things, you know, the similarities of, you know, the cultures or the clothing or um, everything like that. But at the same time, the differences. And majority of the time we talk about the differences, you know, they, Navajos call it the blue corn tamales, but we call it smiviki. So we're always teasing them. They're trying to steal our recipes. Um, but I think it's a, it's a great thing to do because I can just flip a switch on what culture I want to talk about, what things I want to bring up, um, who I'm talking to. So and, I think there's a lot of positive things about it. And uh, Danielle, so I guess you kind of serve as a role model for other younger folks that are experiencing something similar to to what you've experienced because you didn't mention it, but, you know, I do know you through ASU. And so, you know, you do have your college uh, background, your college degree. And then also, you know, you're also involved in numerous other um, high profile positions, correct, with uh, being uh, involved with the Miss uh, ASU, Indian ASU? Yeah. So I ran for Miss Indian ASU uh, for two years in 2018, 2019, and in 2019, 2020, um, or was it the year before? It's already been too long. <laughs> um, but the reason why I wanted to run is because I wanted to prove to myself that I know I knew who I was in cultural identity because I was worried at the beginning the first time I ran um you know I had a lot of anxiety because I kept telling myself I'm not hoping enough I'm not going to run because I'm not hoping enough you know I don't speak enough Hopi so I'm not hoping enough to run for this title and a lot of people kept encouraging me, you know, it's okay. 
you don't know enough Hopi. It's okay that you feel like you're not Hopi, but you need to understand that you are Hopi and you're going to learn through this journey of who you are. So that's the main reason why I ran. And then the second time I ran, I said, you know what? I'm proud of who I am and I'm half, I'm half Hopi and half Savo. So I'm going to represent that for all of those who are mixed as well. That's, so all, that's awesome, Danielle. I used Danielle. to change up my war. Yeah, so I used to change up my wardrobe. You know, I would wear my Hopi Mata, but I would wear my Navajo belt with it. Um, you know, I would wear my Navajo skirt, but with my Hopi jewelry. So you just kind of have to understand that you just got to be proud of who you are. But is is it that, um, you know, kind of taboo to mix uh, Hopi, Hopi traditional uh, dress with, uh, you know, a Navajo, uh, Navajo type of dress, you know, because, you know, some Hopis, they don't believe that you should be doing some sort of mixture of, of cultures like that. So do you kind of see it as a, as a taboo like that? Sometimes, I mean, I don't go all out. The most I'll do is just wear my belt with my Hopi dress. Um, that's as far as how I'll go. Or sometimes I'll wear my Navajo jewelry with it. Uh, I don't like to go too, too mixed and crazy about it, you know. Um, I know they like to wear their jeans and moccasins. <laughs> I don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it just kind of depends on how you are. That, that that is that is that is kind of a good point and you know it is a difficult thing to navigate I think especially now in you know the way that things are and you know we've mentioned this before on many other previous episodes the fact that you know a lot more I think it's over 50% of our people are now living in the urban areas and so that when you're living in the urban areas that sometimes you are disconnected from a lot of the cultural information that uh, the reservation folks are privy to and so you know I think especially with art you see a lot of the cross uh, mixing, I think, between different tribes. I think mostly Hopi. Sometimes you see it with uh, Navajos incorporating Hopi symbols into their art. And I think now, especially with our younger Hopi folks being more engaged with the powwow scene, that you see a lot of those plains designs that come from the powwow mm -hmm. that get mixed into the Hopi um, art that you see these days. And so, you know, I think that, you know, it's kind of really a difficult thing to kind of figure out as to see what is going to be acceptable and how you, uh, yeah. and how you, uh, I guess, carry yourself. Yeah. I remember when I was, uh, part of the committee of missing the ASU, I went to my first ever powwow on the ASU campus and I was lost because, as Hopis, you know, we don't really traditionally do powwows. Mm -hmm. um, it's more of an outside thing. And so when I first got there and felt the drum, you know, I was excited. But at the same time, I was so nervous because I didn't know how these things run. And I don't know the format of how these things are done throughout the night and the days. And, you know, the open ceremony, the closing ceremonies. It was all new to me. And I remember I got some black backlash about it because I was just telling people, you know, it's so different and I've never gone to a powwow before. It's not traditionally something Hopi. And, you know, I got attacked for it. You know, I'm Hopi. I do powwows and blah, blah. 
I'm like, I understand you do powwows. I'm just saying, traditionally, we just don't do it. And it's very different for us, for those who've never gone to one before. Mm-hmm, it is. And actually, Carl does powwow. He's he's a chicken dancer. That's oh, the reason yeah. why he grew his hair long. Yeah, I uh, sing that, going to the powwow. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought you sang the, the, the John Wayne song from Smoke Signals. <laughs> the, was that? John Wayne's teeth. Hey, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I noticed that in all of your Hopi songs, you have that kind of uh, drawn out sound now that the powwow singers have. <laughs> all your uh, yeah, it starts out with that John Wayne's teeth. Hey, yo. <laughs> <laughs> and so I guess, you know, transitioning, you know, the conversation, because I think that for us, for at least the ideas that we get for the conversational starters for the podcast, that a lot of, you know, some of the ideas that I get, I, it comes from social media and the fact that, you know, our people are very active on social media that you see what a lot of those conversations that they have in regards to whether that's culture, native culture, Hopi culture, or even the villages or the reservation. Um, Danielle, what are some, I guess, messages or conversations that you have seen on social media regarding people that do come from multicultural backgrounds or the quote unquote mixed breeds? A lot of here on social media is mostly, I mean, just memes. We like to tease each other. Um, especially for Navajo and Hopi because they always have that, you know, differences between like, you know, our land rights and you're stealing my cookie recipe, you're taking our smoothie key recipe. And there's always going to be that kind of tension between the two cultures, but it's more of a playful tension on social media. Um, So, you know, you always see these kind of memes out there or you see these kind of statuses that are subtweeted towards Navajos or anything like that. I just kind of find it funny. Um, you don't want to take it too serious. You don't want to start anything. Um, but I feel like as mixed breeds, we're so used to that, that we're not really faced by it. You just laugh it off as much as you guys do. Um, <laughs> So, <laughs> so uh, I know there there are, are are children that that are half you know mixed breed, or that are multicultural, that resent their parents for making them like that. Are you are you somewhat in that in that position, like where you say that oh my mom never taught me a full effect of like Hopi, or maybe your dad never taught you the full part of Navajo are, are you are you like resenting your your parents in a way not in that aspect um I'm more of like you know why am I not full Hopi or you know it would just been easier if I was just full Hopi my life would have been a lot easier kind of deal and I always tease my soul when she comes over and she's always telling me you know go find a Hopi man go find a Hopi man and I'm always like, I'm trying, but there's no good Hopi men out there. And I'm like, go find you one soul, you know, uh, you know, and then we'll have good Hopi babies. And she would just laugh it off. But it, it's hard out there when you're trying to find someone who is a potential mate. Because like you guys said earlier in your podcast, in the introduction, that Hopis, you know, if you don't smoke or drink, then you're you know, you have to look elsewhere. <laughs> and that's exactly how it is. And it's still like that. 
I, I don't know, you know if I'm I would. I'm 23 years old and I'm still, <laughs> still having that issue. Um, I, I was gonna being s- like that. I was gonna say I don't know if I would trust Soo to be matchmaker because then she'd bring you a Soo's boy like uh, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a good guy, so I know how to sing uh, very, very beautifully. He knows how to sing those power songs at the my right high voice, pitch. <laughs> my voice is probably like butter. <laughs> To all my guys' ears. So I, I guess, uh, Carl, you know, what What are some messages that you see on social media in regards to people that are uh, multicultural or, or mixed breeds? Well, you know, when you go on social media, there are a lot of like these, the backlashes of how how social media works. Like, you know, oh, yeah, you're 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 just Navajo. You know, they they pick a side. They usually just pick one side and they they never pick you know in the middle or they never pick uh neutral they just go ahead and say that oh your dad was your dad's a navajo you know go then you must be navajo you know go go and do your you know corn corn dance or something whatever you you know then you know they they make fun of the situation about that and of course social media is always social media yeah social media social media I think that for me, when I see the most activity about culture, social media, and, you know, I I guess some of these arguments is always during the ceremony times. Like in February, you'll hear a lot of people, uh, I guess, kind of going back and forth, kind of arguing. And, you know, I think the fact that, you know, some people do get, uh, they do experience a lot of the, uh, the negative side of our factory setting perspective. And, you know, I think it really leaves people, um, I'm not too sure what the term is, but, you know, where you have that anger inside of you, where you're, you know, kind of lashing out. And, you know, I do see people that are multicultural, uh, mostly the, the Navajo piece, people that are part Navajo and Hopi kind of, you know, getting angry and saying that, you know, just kind of like what Danielle said, you know, that we're just as much Hopi as as anybody else because you know we've gone through this experience of you know getting asna and then wimka and you know all of these other experiences that people like you and i have have had yeah but before we move on let's go ahead and pay um take a quick break for our our second sponsor here this paid sponsorship was paid for by justin villarreal hey tom here with hopi relief hopi relief is a nonprofit organization based down here in the valley where we are providing much-needed supplies to the Hopi Reservation during this COVID-19 pandemic and beyond. Please visit HopiRelief.org and find out how you can get involved. Hopi Relief is also an Arizona-recognized charitable tax organization. And please visit us December 1st on Giving Tuesday. Thank you. And we're back. And so I guess, you know, really, because when you think about it, when you think about the future of Hopi, is that the fact that I think the way that our our economy is, as we talked about in the last episode, that, you know, there are very little homes for people to live out here, is that the trend for our people to move to the urban areas is going to increase and it's going to continue to increase. And that fact is that you're probably going to see a lot more of our people finding mates that are non-Hopis and creating more of a multicultural society of Hopi. And then, you know, because we all do experience that, you know, experience this Hopi life that we enjoy and the fact that we enjoy it so much that we want our kids to experience it as well. And so, you know, even if you're a Hopi man 
you go off and you find a non-Hopi woman that you still want your kids to have the the naming ceremony, that you still want them to experience some form of uh, of your culture of your culture with your child and then you know going forward and even trying to have them initiate it and all of this other practice and so you know i guess in my perspective i feel like that that is going to continue with the way that our culture is going so i guess uh before i ask you danielle a quick question for carl is how do you think that impacts uh our hopi culture our hopi practices and our hopi ceremonies i mean you know in the Kivas, you see a lot of that happening and you see a lot of, of Hopi children participating in, in Hopi ceremonies, but yet their their mothers are not Hopi, but yet their fathers are. But it, it, it kind of puts you in that position to say, okay, well, um, we can teach you so much here, but yet we can't teach you a lot of this because of your 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 status of, of or your, your you know your your cultural identity here because your mother's not a Hopi we cannot further on certain teachings I guess mm-hmm. and I think that that kind of becomes a difficult stance because then you know what if we get to a point where nobody's has Hopi mothers anymore and then you know what what's the what's the standard and practice then but I guess Danielle you know being have experienced both sides, you know, how do you see the future of Hopi knowing that a lot more of our people are probably going to have similar backgrounds to yours? Well, actually, uh, a couple of years ago, uh, a Riley had that issue. And I remember my soul telling me um, that they were going to put down, I guess, rules of who gets to participate in certain things and who doesn't. And one of those rules was you have to have a Hopi mother and you have to have, and you have to be at least half Hopi in order for you to go down to the Kiva or go do things around the village. And I remember that created a big issue because there is a lot of kids out there who are mixed um, and they want to participate. They want to know the Hopi culture. And we have a, I guess, my cousin sister. Um, she's actually half Hopi as well on her dad's side. And so we were having an issue with her going down to the Kiva to do butterfly dance practices. And they wouldn't let her in because she wasn't Hopi on her mom's side. And I remember they had to all sit down together. Um, all my gahas, all my guas had to go down there and petition for her to participate and explain that since she was born, we've raised her Hopi and she knows the Hopi ways and we're trying to raise her to be a Hopi woman. And that was very difficult for my family because as we know it, she's Hopi and she's part of our family, even though her dad is Hopi and her mom's not. And so that created a big issue between our village and all of a sudden those rules were uplifted because they understood that there's a lot of kids in the village that are mixed. And now they're trying to figure out different ways on how to go around it to where still they want only Hopi kids to participate instead of outsiders. Um, So it is a very hard situation in any village Mm -hmm. to decide who can do things and who can't. That's a really good ex- example, Danielle. Yeah, yeah, that is. 
Because I think that, you know, for my village done at Munqapi, Lower Munqapi, that they did attempt to do the same thing that they only tried to allow those that had Hopi mothers to get initiated. And very similar to that, that there was a huge backlash from the people because a lot of people had grandkids that were part Navajo or part other cultures that were going to get excluded and, and similar to that. And I think, you know, what maybe what for folks that aren't familiar of why I guess we go about practicing it this way is that because within our culture, I think one of the biggest things, especially in regards to our religion, is that we really want the people who are participating in the ceremonies to speak or at least the very least understand Hopi, our own language, because then, you know, we can't truly carry our ceremonies in the correct way if we're only speaking English. Yeah. And so I think that that's kind of uh, at least what our traditional leaders think about is that we want to do our ceremonies correctly. And it's probably in their perspective that it's only the ones who are quote unquote real Hopis that are going to be the ones that can speak or at least very least understand the language being spoken. And so I think that that's kind of a, a real reason as to why the traditional leaders in the more traditional villages are setting these rules in a way to try to make sure that those that participate are on this um, language list, I guess you could say. Yeah. And that is that, Mm -hmm. I guess that is that cultural barrier or that cultural, um, cultural slide where, you know, if you're not fully understanding of Hopi, then you should not take part in any type of Hopi traditions. And it goes to say with all all sorts of um, cultures out there, whether it's Japanese, Chinese, you know, uh, other Native Americans out there, if you don't understand the language, you cannot participate in any of those traditions out there. So I, I feel that that is, that is one thing that we are kind of doing in that right way where, yes, you have to understand, you have to make sure that you understand the the importance of how Hopi functions, then you can participate in a, in a Hopi uh, ceremony. Yeah. And yeah. I, I'll go ahead. I, I, I like that too, between, you know, you have to know the Hopi ways, but I don't think they should, kids don't have to prove that they're Hopi. They should be proud that they're Hopi. That's the difference between how I should be right. You know, maybe have kids introduce themselves to Hopi before they come into the Kiva. So that way they're making steps into learning the language. You know, maybe when you're in the Kiva, only the men can talk Hopi to them. So that way they can start understanding these keywords um, when they're starting to practice or when they get out of the Kiva, you know. Start to kind of teach them instead of disciplining them for not knowing Hopi or not being Hopi enough. That's a good. That's a good I suggestion. Think that's what's be the change. Yeah. Yeah. See, in the in the in the kivas, we do talk Hopi, but when they knock wide uh, tacos, then it's all Mexican. So we <laughs> we don't really care. So <laughs> how, how, how do you say? That's when, they, that's when your Rosetta Stone comes in. <laughs> how, how do you say "hoa" in Spanish, Carl? <laughs> Arriba, arriba. <laughs> no, you say gato in pantalones. <laughs> that's pretty much all I know. 
<laughs> well, real, real, uh, we're, we're getting close to time, but Danielle, real quick, can you, uh, I, I guess, is there's any other things that you would like to share on this topic um, in regards to uh, quote unquote mixed breeds or, or Navajo peas? I feel like I said enough for a lot of where, of where I stand, you know, be proud of who you are and where you come from. And if you are multicultural, learn all your different tribes, learn the similarities between them, learn the differences, because you're going to be able to be that person, that middle person between those tribes, between all of those different cultures that you represent. And if you come across someone who thinks, you know, oh, you're Native American, oh, they're all the same. No, they're not the same because I'm half Hopi and half Navajo, I'm half this, I'm part this. And these are the differences and these are the similarities. So you can start educating these people, these non-Natives or these other Natives, um, you know, the differences and the similarities um, because you are representing all of those cultures in you. Well, so thank, yeah. just go out there. Yeah. Be proud of who you are. Well, thank you for that. Thank you for being our guest today. Thank you so much, Danielle. Yeah. We really appreciate it. And so we're, we're there at that. Thank you for having me. Oh, for sure. And so we're at time, Carl. Yes, we are. And so, uh, Real quick, before we set off and go about our daily duties, I think that, you know, we'd like to give another shout out to some special folks that really enjoy the podcast that give us some support. We'd like to w- welcome Gary Lomayasva. Gary Lomayasva. To the 30-pack tier of our CJ podcast uh, donorship. And, you know, as usual, we'd like to thank everybody else who has contributed greatly to our podcast. I'd like to thank Michelle again, Michelle Holden, Rachel Reinhart, Noel Oyahoma, uh, Joyce Hamilton, our boy Millard Gawanyama, and uh, Liera Thompson. Thank you all of your monthly, uh, you're, you're our monthly supporter, and thank you for keeping us on, uh, you know, <laughs> keeping us on the air pretty much. We greatly appreciate that. And, you know, as usual, if you're not following us on our social media accounts, we are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Our numbers are starting to climb in those areas. And I think that, you know, for once in Carl's life, he's actually social media popular. Yeah, exactly. And if you <laughs> do want to become if you do want to become a monthly donor or monthly sponsor, um, go to anchor.fm slash CJ podcast 85 and donate, uh, donate right today. So it keeps us on the air and it keeps us out of trouble. Or you can buy Carl a cup of coffee or buy both of us a cup of coffee at buy me a cup of coffee.com slash CJ podcast. And as we're approaching the new year, we're really excited to uh, working on some additional content projects. We mentioned it in our last episode oh, that yes. a video series is going to be coming soon. It's called Us Be These Guys. So look out for that on YouTube. And if you follow us on Instagram, I just posted a picture of our brand new set. So you'd like to take a look out for that on our story. Um, but uh, I guess, you know, for, for the day, that's it. All right. Well, thank you again for listening to Carl and J-Man Save the World Podcast. My name is Carl, and this is my best friend, J-Man. So long. Quack, quack. <laughs>